to Modern Figures Podcast, hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. This podcast exists to highlight the stories of Black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about Black women in computing. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology. And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels. Today we have two special guests from the Computing Research Association, and we'll tell you more details about what the CRA is, but we have Eric Russell, who is the Director of Programs, and Dr. Burchin Tamer. And I'll let Kyla tell you a little bit about CRA, and then we'll have them tell you about themselves. So go ahead, Kyla. Yeah. So CRA's mission is to enhance innovation by joining with industry, government, and academia to strengthen research and advanced education in computing. So CRA executes this mission by leading the computing research community, informing policymakers and the public, and facilitating the development of strong, diverse talent in the field. That is a long list of to-dos. <laughs> it is. And One of these initiatives, which is why we ended up being really deeply connected with CRA, is their Widening Participation Initiative. And their mission is to increase the success and participation of women and underrepresented minorities and persons with disabilities in computing research and education at all levels. So, Eric Burchin, it's so great to have you on the podcast. I would like you to introduce yourselves for our guests We'll start with Eric. Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, yeah, so my name is Eric Russell. I'm the director of programs at CRA. Uh, I have been at CRA since uh, let's see, January of 2012. So, oh, uh, wow. just almost 10 years now. So, yeah, uh, wow. yeah so it's it's been uh, an interesting experience, but a very rewarding experience as well. And so, one of my uh, primary uh, duties at CRA is to work very closely with with uh, the CRAWP, which is the committee, as you mentioned, on widening participation uh, in computing research. And so, yeah, happy happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation yeah, today. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And in our conversations, we found out that there's someone that you felt we should meet. So yes, we invited Dr. Burchin Tamer to be a part of the podcast today. So Burchin, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Burchin Tamer. Uh, I am the director of SERP, which stands for Center for Evaluating the Research Pipeline. Um, mm. So SERP is one of the committees uh, that CRA has, like CRWP, uh, but it actually did Grew, grew out of CRWP as a CRWP project. I can talk about that later a little bit, but in yeah, that sense, we're really, definitely. really closely connected. That's great. Yeah, so um, for those of you who've been paying attention 
you may have noticed that there's a new little sponsorship tagline in <laughs> in the Modern Figures Podcast introduction. And that's because two of Eric's direct reports have been stalking us, supporting us, <laughs> loving us. And we've us. been stalking them back, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a mutual stalk. And oh, yeah. we just, we absolutely love them and they love us. And so we... I guess popped into their minds when one of their um, sponsors ultimately was like, Hey, we, we still have this funding. What are you going to use it for? And so they decided to use it for modern figures podcast. So let's all give them a round of applause. Yes. Um, We're so excited. Hopefully we can drop fake applause right, right now. Because <laughs> I am just, I, we were blown away by your generosity, yes. by your, Willingness to like really get behind us. And so we're excited to have you today and talking to our guests because they deserve to know about you and what you do. Yeah. So to me, like the most exciting part of CRA and CRAWP is the programming. So for people who are out there who are in computing and they're like, okay, well, what does it do? Like, can you talk about some of the programs that you have going on? Maybe mention like which ones are your favorites? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So we have a lot of programs. Let me just yeah. start there, right? So, so we our programs um, we have a lot for undergraduate students, for graduate students, postdocs, um, early and mid career faculty, uh, uh, researchers in industrial and government labs, uh, and so there's there's quite a range of programs, and we also have you know uh, scholarships and awards and, and those types of things as well. Uh, so yes, we have a small committed team, but uh, we, we do a lot of different things, and, and we do much of that with, um, uh, we, it wouldn't be possible without the CRAWP board, uh, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, it, it's usually around 30 board members. It's an active board, so uh, each of the board members uh, are responsible for at least one program, uh, uh, and so they, they lead uh, those programs. And so... Um, but some of the ones I'm really excited about, and not that I'm not excited about the others, <laughs> but like, I'm not very diplomatic or anything. Yeah. But, but like, you know, so at the undergrad level, Drew, the Distributed Research yeah. Experience for Undergrads program, that's a, that's a really cool program. And so like students apply, faculty mentors apply, uh, there's a selection and matching process. And basically the student goes away for 10 weeks over the summer uh, to the faculty mentors institution in non-COVID times. So right now we're mm -hmm, virtual, mm -hmm. but but we and we hope to be back to on site really soon. Um, and uh, and so they go away and they work on a research team on a project um, at the Faculty Mentors Institution. And uh, and then, you know, so we provide, you know, support for their travel to get them there, stipend to, you know, uh, uh, for the work that they're doing uh, there at the uh, uh, at that institution. And then um, oftentimes, you know, they, they reach back out and say, you know, I want to attend Tapia or I want to attend Hopper and present a poster on my research, right? And so uh, so it's providing them additional resources and trying to, you know, make things happen to, to uh, provide additional opportunities and keep them going. Uh, mm -hmm. But but Drew's awesome because it, it really gives um, uh, uh, folks a, a taste of what it's like to do research and, and yeah. it, with, the, with the hope that they'll go on and, and, and pursue advanced degrees. And so that's, that's yeah. a really uh, cool program. Um, yeah, I really like Drew, too. I've probably had like seven Drew students what? over the years. <laughs> wow. And to date, I have published with every single Drew student 
um, that has come through my lab and like even throughout the fall like you know we may finish up writing something that they've done or, yeah yeah and it's amazing students they might come from smaller schools but they have the tenacity the aptitude like I've been always just thoroughly impressed by the Drew students so I can't wait until we're not virtual anymore <laughs> to have more in my lab yeah and that that program has it, it has grown so much right it's become very popular um, we, we've you know worked um, uh, you know over the years to make it better and, and uh, provide uh, opportunities um, uh, you know and so we've leveraged the funding of sponsors uh, to bring in additional partners uh, who also oftentimes bring in additional funding to support more students and mm -hmm. and, uh, and and really um, uh, scale the, pro the, the program um, you know so we've partnered with IMCS, the Institute for African American Mentoring and Computing Sciences, which the two of you are very familiar with. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, uh, so Access Computing, so mm -hmm. out of University of Washington, uh, focusing on uh, persons with disabilities. Um, and uh, one of uh, newer partnerships that just started this year was uh, Black in AI. Uh, oh, and cool. so, so they oh, are nice. uh, also uh, partnering with us and, and providing some support for some additional Drew students. So yeah, it's 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 a really cool program. And uh, you know, if, if folks are are in the undergrad and they're not sure about, do I want to go? You know, get a grad degree. Um, you know, check it out. It, it's it's on our website and it is a really cool program. So in your role, like, how does how does someone end up a director of programs for something? <laughs> He's shaking his head. I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, how does that it, work? Like, was it like it, a, a decision you made at some point? Like, I really it, like. Yeah, it's things. I don't know. Yeah, it it it. Uh, yeah, so I don't think anyone like you know really growing up goes. Hey, I'm gonna be a director of programs, no. right? So like, right? And so so like you know it it, it it just you know things happen in life, right? And so uh, so what brought me to CRA and working in this role was um, a, a series of things, right? And so I'll go back to, you know, so I used to be an educator uh, mm -hmm. and I was uh, uh, teaching elementary school, out uh, math and science, well, really turned into a STEM focus school uh, in, uh, in Colorado. And, um, you know, so I taught first grade, I taught fourth grade and, and started taking on additional responsibilities. Uh, and that um, one of the opportunities that, that came to me was to um, uh, serve as a national field test site coordinator for this program called EIE, which is uh, Engineering is Elementary. And, uh, and so this is a program that was designed by um, the uh, Boston Museum of Science mm -hmm. uh, with funding from Intel and NSF. And, uh, and so it took, you know, various um, sub-disciplines of, uh, of engineering and broke them down into hands-on inquiry-based lessons. Uh, for students, uh, they wrote a storybook, so there was a storybook component to it, um, and they were based on real-world problems and projects that were happening in different parts of the world. And so it, it was, it was just a fantastic program. It, it, check awesome. it out, yeah, it's called EIE or Engineering is Elementary. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was amazing to teach, uh, and uh, and so I was, you know, flying back to Boston for meetings and stuff, and uh, you know, in professional development, and then bringing that information back to Colorado and training teachers out there on how to do this and, and uh, scaling it. And so um, in that process, I met uh, uh, a person, uh, Patty Curtis, who was um, in uh, the government affairs at, through the Boston Museum of Science. And she was like, um, 
you know, let me know if you're ever out in DC, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, hook you up with uh, you know setting up meetings with your congressional representatives and that kind of stuff. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. so took her up on that offer, went out there, and uh, you know made the pitch to for additional educational support um, to our representatives in Congress. And um, uh, one senator, Senator Wayne Allard at the time, uh, he had uh, really supported this, and so we wrote a federal appropriations request. And, uh, and ended up getting some funding for the district. And, and, and so I ended up, you know, becoming the K-12 STEM Education Initiative uh, Project Coordinator uh, for our district. And so, uh, in, in addition to teaching. And oh so I was doing all these different things. <laughs> oh, my God. And then Patty's like, you know, have you ever heard of this Albert Einstein Fellowship? And, and at the time, I, ha- I, was, I had not heard of it before. And, uh, and so... I looked into it because she was like, you'd be really good at this. And so hmm. I looked at it. Um, and basically, the, the Einstein Fellowship is um, where they take um, uh, K-12 STEM teachers uh, and uh, bring them to Washington, D.C. to work in agencies to kind hmm. of lend the, uh, the classroom teacher perspective uh, to folks that are running programs and uh, working on policy and such. Uh, and so I applied and was selected and uh, went to work uh, at the National Science Foundation uh, in the Computer and Information Science and Engineering Directorate with Dr. Jan Cooney, uh, which oh, nice. many folks in the, in ah. the BPC community, I don't know if anyone in the BPC community doesn't know Jan, right? So like she, she's just so well known. Uh, and, uh, and so, so um, you know, Coming to D.C. and working on, on uh, you know, these these initiatives like the BPC program, which was also pivoting into CE21 at the time. And so CE21 was the computing education for the 21st century. And, mm-hmm. and so this program uh, had a stronger focus on partnerships mm-hmm. uh, and really brought in like the educational researcher um, researchers into these collaborative projects. And, and I think really enhanced uh, the work. Um, uh, and kind of transition from um, simply just running interventions to the impact, right? So, uh, yeah, and measuring the impact. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm babbling on and on now. So, sorry. No, that was you get really, me pumped really on this. Really like, no, it's your origin story. I'm loving this because I'm like, how did you get there? Yeah, origin stories take a while. You got to give yeah. background. <laughs> so, I think I think it's really good to learn about you know, how people end up in these roles, because there's a lot that you can do when you're passionate about STEM that we don't really talk about. So like, even just the idea that you went to Congress and advocated on behalf of your district to get funding, to support the initiatives that you're doing, like that's, who talks about that? Like who tells you that that's an option, like to go the political route and be somebody who's lobbying or, you know, really working towards improving education for students in STEM. That's not a thing that we share with <laughs> students in in college. Not, yeah, yeah, like we don't even talk about that in college. High school, yeah. I'm sure that's not a conversation that's being had. No, not at all. I didn't learn about like the policy side till like grad school probably. Yeah. Well, a lot of policy is driven by data. And Birchin, when I see the newsletter from SERP, I'm always excited because there's always like this little like fact 
about something that I don't know about that I can learn about. And there's this beautiful graph yes. with data collected <laughs> from all across the country. So can you talk a little bit more about SERP and like the importance of what you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, SERP uh, was actually, um, it grew out of a, um, an effort by CRWP and CDC um, coalition to diversify computing. So the idea was mm. to put together a project so that all of these amazing programs that CRWP, CRW at the time uh, organizes, okay, let's see what impact these programs are having. And a good way to do that is to collect that data all, from all over the country so that we can com compare the participants of these programs to this robust comparison group that is similar to them, right? So they mm -hmm. uh, built this survey project called Data Buddies Project. And ultimately, mm -hmm. it grew out of just being this project into the whole center. And now we collect data. I think we're at uh, close to 20,000 students responding to the survey, uh, Whoa. working with more than 150 institutions. So it, it grew, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and you all don't like just hoard the data. Like people can request the data. Like I've requested it before and done some analyses. Oh, you guys are right up, but <laughs> I've done some like analyses. But can you talk about like what are some like really surprising things that you've learned like from the data about these programs, or just even interesting? Maybe not surprising, but just you know, interesting things that people may not already know. Um. That's a very good question. So one of the things I think that we that um, I really like um, seeing is uh, we ask the students not only just questions, okay, rate your belonging from one to five or whatever, but whenever we're evaluating a program especially, we ask them to kind of tell us in their own words what they thought about the program. And it's really kind of interesting to see how they approach and what type of uh, impact it, the program had on, in their lives actually coming to the program and you know some of them had just had a problem with their advisor for instance and they talk about mm -hmm. I came to this two-day workshop and suddenly now while I was the day before thinking about leaving my program now I'm just, you know, all pumped up. I have all these friends and all these mentors and I'm seeing yeah. all these amazing things. And now I'm going to go keep going on. And even though, you know, most people know, okay, these programs that CRWP and other alliances do have an impact, it's just really tangible. It makes it really tangible to see that kind of when students share that information with us and um, just being able to then turn around and share that um, with the community and tell them these things matter to the students who are participating. They definitely do. I, w when you said that, it made me think about, um, so the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine just a couple years ago published a report on the science of effective mentoring in STEM, STEM with an extra M for medicine. And the thing that struck me from like some of the outcomes of the report was that 
there's this idea of organizations as mentors. Right? Sometimes it's not just an individual one-on-one or even a group setting that allows these mentoring experiences to happen. It can happen because they went to this community and they maybe got a resource from this workshop and a resource from that workshop. And they had this hallway meeting with random people and like all of those things together are what provided the students the opportunity to feel successful, to change their outlook, to have that self-efficacy that they didn't initially have and that sense of belonging. So yeah, I mean, that's like on the cusp of like the research and the mentoring space of like, like what's innovative and new and I love it. I love it. I'm excited because that's like my space, <laughs> my space. Um, but yeah, I love that. Just, yeah. Even anecdotally, like I remember I was looking at, I think you all put out um, an infographic about like where people get mentoring. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it was just broadly. And I was like, I wonder where black people get mentors. And so it was definitely very different like we tend to, we tended to have a more broad spectrum but also leaning more on like community members like a pastor or family or friends more so than the general population so I really appreciate the fact that you all are diving deep into um, all of these really interesting questions you have a crucial amount like it is significant you have so many different data points mm-hmm. like it's it's exciting Sorry, I'm, ner- I'm data nerding out. I'm so excited. It's okay, computer scientist. It's fine. I love it. It's just so great. No, but like the infographics are really helpful because if you're not somebody who's like numerically driven like Kyla and I, having that visual and being able to see what's happening rather than having to dive into like the numbers and understand those numbers is really really beneficial so i like that newsletter and there's always like a summary too of like what it's saying it's like i have words i have pictures i have numbers and if you want more yeah yeah Yeah, all the learning styles (laughs) all of that's there (laughs) okay so i guess like for you birchin what made you want to pursue this type of work what drove you into the space um that also is a great question and uh i like eric have no idea how i ended up here in the sense that you know <laughs> 10 years ago i was like you know what i'm gonna go to the center for evaluating the research pipeline and uh work there <laughs> um i actually uh what I'm trained as a social scientist and started as a political mm. scientist. So I have no, nothing to do with oh, education wow. or anything like that. Um, studied economic development. And then while I was doing all of those things, uh, one of my emphasis was statistics and analysis, those kinds of things. And when I graduated, Sierra had this opportunity for a quantitative social scientist so I was like oh this sounds interesting these people seem to be doing really important work and here's an opportunity to contribute Mm -hmm. to it Um, so I applied and I got the job and it was I think a really important crucial point in my life where I had you know gone through this training and learned all sorts of things but suddenly I realized I can put this to work for something really really important so um since then, I learned a lot. I had to, of course, kind of translate 
all everything I knew into this new space of education and computing and all of those so that took a good a bit of time and effort but it, I enjoyed every it's minute like of learning it. a new language basically yes yes it really is. so um yeah, yeah that it's a kind of a roundabout um path but uh, I'm just really really excited and where I ended up mm-hmm. well we're excited too because <laughs> I mean yes. the the work that you're doing helps inform like some of the things that are happening in other agencies like this isn't just something that's beneficial for CREWP mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of organizations rely on and I know like our university looks at it like our our department of computer information science and engineering we look at it mm-hmm. so yeah the Talby survey in particular is something oh, yeah. that I think we should talk about because how do you how did you end up influencing literally the entire field of computer science right education and also do you mind do you mind saying what the talby survey is yeah. for people who are listening and don't know what eric it is? were you involved with that uh no no so our our uh lead on that is is really betsy bazo uh okay. yeah yeah at, at uh, cra and uh she works with Stu weaven on, on that you know has for years and years uh, but but yes, the the Talby survey is is uh, very important to the community. Um, uh, it it uh, really um, gathers information about the status, you know, kind of a report card on where we're at um, and and trends. Um, uh, you know, degrees that are obtained um, on an annual basis, um, faculty salaries. There's there's a whole range of of things that are covered in that. Uh, and and. Uh, and so you can you can access the current one online. It, it, actually, all of them uh, should be available mm-hmm. yeah. online on our website. Uh, but yeah, definitely encourage folks to check out the Talby survey. Did you want to comment on that, Birchin? Yes. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Uh, well, Talby survey just to kind of give an idea, um, it actually collects data and has been, I think, since like 1970 something. It's a, it's a really yeah. long running survey. It goes way way back. back exactly, yeah. it goes way back and has been collecting data from. Uh, computing departments Um, so it actually goes to the department and the department fills out all this really massive survey actually of a lot of facts Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm always amazed that multiple people from any given department spend the time days to kind of fill out this and we learn from anything from how much space the department has to how many students they graduated so there's just a lot in there for the community to be able to use to make decisions like Kylo, Kylo was talking about to inform what they're doing in a way that's evidence-based, right? So mm-hmm. um, again, data nerd, just really, really excited about <laughs> seeing all of that every time Betsy puts out the report. It's just always really fun. And to I, like, I like how your work really just emphasizes how much this is an ecosystem because all of this wouldn't be done just by purely computer scientists or purely social sciences. Like we mm. need all of the different majors to actually make this collective impact. Like I really appreciate the fact that there's so many people on staff with such a broad range of abilities and like together, like, cause you 
guys are it when it comes to, you know, knowing things and computing, like you guys are it, but it's because it's a team and not just, oh, a bunch of computer scientists decided to collect some data. Well, guess what? You don't have that training. And sometimes people tend to have sort of an ego around their profession where they feel like, oh yeah, I can design this, or they think someone else's job is a little easy. It's like, no, actually this is a discipline, (laughs) not just something that's a hobby that people picked up overnight. So I'm glad that CRA sees that and like really, really puts a lot of uh, emphasis on making sure it's a synergy. There are a lot of people who don't understand the importance of qualitative research in computing and how like without it, you miss a lot of like the human side of what's occurring. And, you know, we don't design any application of computing really in a vacuum like it's for people ultimately at the end of the day right like that we're designing all of these solutions I mean maybe only like in a tertiary or further space but like you know ultimately it gets back to like this is going to help humanity so as a mixed method (laughs) methodologist like what (laughs) is like the most valuable attribute of the work that you're doing like what brings you the most joy about these numbers and the stories that you're hearing and how they relate? I think that um, what's really um, important but also professionally satisfying is to be able to kind of in the qualitative world hear the individual stories of people, right? Their actual lived experiences, mm-hmm. which, is, which can't be captured in any kind of no- numbers, so right. it's really, really important. But then, you know, sort, sort of from a practical point of view, also seeing that in a kind of a more scaled up way in numbers, but being able to ask the right questions in the right way so that everybody can actually be kind of contained in it because everybody's experiences are different and survey design mm. isn't, you know, a simple matter because the way you right. word things certain groups of people could be understanding it one way as opposed to other groups of people. And so you could be silencing some set of people mm. in a systematic way, and you don't want to do that. So we strive uh, to try to capture that in a way that then we can turn around and tell people, hey, look, this is a pattern. So you heard these stories or you have witnessed all of these different things. But this is a pattern. You can't ignore this. So that's kind of the practical side of things. So you, I think that by combining those two, two things, we are um, kind of uh, speaking to different audiences and being able to say to these computer scientists to understand numbers and value large sets of data uh, to say these are not just minor things that you can just kind of put aside and say, oh, you know, uh, just re- reason away. I don't know how to word that. But um, so I think that that part is really uh, key for me. But then also another, I guess, side of that is I think we have done several infographics for this as well, where we could speak to the students and say, hey, look, you're not alone either. Like we asked a whole bunch of people and this experience is real and just, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot more people who are doing, you know, going through the same thing. Yeah. Do you see that, Eric, with, 
I know you're like kind of higher level, so you don't always get to interact with the students that come to your events, but do you see that at your conferences and events? Um, I do. And one, one thing, you know, I did want to pick up on, on, yeah. you know, the importance of the, the qualitative um, piece. So like that feedback is critical, right? And so it's not, it's not always uh, fun to hear the critical feedback, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, but like, it's important, right? And, and sometimes you read something, and you're like, ouch, right? That, yeah. that, uh, that doesn't feel good. But you know what, at the same time, it's not about my feelings. It's about how do we make the programs better, right? How do we serve the community better? And so, um, you know, one instance, I mean, I mean, it was, uh, um, you know, it, one thing that I'm thinking of uh, was a time where, you know, it was as simple as having the, the, the lunch rounds spread out further so there was more accessibility, like, to, to move. Because sometimes you get a, you know, a meeting room, yeah. And it's like, it's a little cramped, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to cram all these tables in there. But like just, just being, uh, thinking through things and, and making sure that you're um, improving, right? And so like sometimes you, you get that feedback that you normally wouldn't get if it was, you know, simply quantitative. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, uh, so it, it definitely is valuable uh, to have, um, have both the mixed methods. Yeah, so I know, like, at the end of your conferences, you usually do, mm-hmm. like, evaluations to determine, mm-hmm. like, how everything went, but also, like, just, you're collecting that data, too. It's a really data-driven organization, and I wish that, you know, some of that could be replicated in other spaces, because it's an invaluable tool to help us improve the climate within computing, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so CRA and, you know, CRAWP, we're one piece, one small piece of a very large, right? So we, we there are so many organizations uh, working in, uh, on, on, in, you know, broadening participation in computing, um, whether they're a BPC Alliance or, or just other affiliated organizations, um, there is so much work to do at mm-hmm. all these levels, right? So the K-12 space, um, elementary, middle, high school, you know, undergrad, grad, you know, postdocs, like, and on and on and on. It doesn't, I don't think it ever ends, <laughs> uh, right? And so so it, it, it is such a huge space and you need a, um, you know, diverse perspectives, right? So all of our perspectives are based on our experiences, right? Our personal experiences, right? And so... I'm constantly like thinking to myself, like, what am I missing? Uh, who can help me find the gaps? Uh, what what are those those um, spots that we need to uh, to focus on? And and um, and so by building uh, uh, a, a diverse a team that's a diverse has a diverse set of perspectives, um, strengthens the team and uh, and leads to better outcomes. And so that's that's you know where I'm where I'm at on that. Yeah. But, um, and going off, so Eric, just oh, go ahead. To, I want to uh, make a note there about like the larger community because Eric, as Eric said, CRE is a small piece of a bigger community working on all of these different things. And one of the things um, actually SERP does is also work with other organizations. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, CRWP mm-hmm. and CDC put together this project and grew out 
And then now it actually benefits the community as a whole. So we provide research data, but we also work with the STARS Alliance to evaluate their mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. um, whenever IMCS has Drew, we collect data from those Drew students too. And, you know, we can provide that information back mm -hmm. to them. So I think that that connection, those connections um, are really, really key to moving forward. And um, every time, so I think that being intentional about that is also important, be reaching out. Mm -hmm. I think CRWP does this quite well as well to kind of form those connections so that we're not each kind of working in a vacuum and just going off on our own ways, but we can b make a bigger impact. And so I, I really Definitely. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, appreciate, like, I appreciate the fact that, you know, there is a broad picture and you're not trying to like paint everyone with the same brush. Um, especially when it comes to diversity efforts, people tend to say minorities like this, and it's like actually, you know, that you can't paint people with this. <laughs> right. Eric's face. I'm just like, are yeah. you going? <laughs> but um, also, Eric, it's refreshing. Oh, also for the people who are listening and not watching, <laughs> there's no surprise. Eric identifies as a white man, but we wanted to know, like, how did you get in this space? Like, number, we know that it's very important to be an ally in this space, and you talk about, you know looking for these gaps and seeing where people aren't being served but mm -hmm. you know how did you what what drew what drove you here because that's not what everyone's doing hmm. um that's a great question so so I, I would say at my core I think I think service is really important to me um, serving the community whether it was you know, as an educator or in you know, my current role um, but also finding out, like learning more and, you know, through my experiences at NSF, you know, when I was working on the broadening participation and computing um, uh, programs in the CE21 uh, program, um, learning more and more about um, these efforts and the opportunities and the inequity uh, that is, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 yeah. It's hard. Thank it, you for it, that. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like when you, it is. when you really take the time to look at the data as human beings, right? Like when you really connect those stories to the data, it's awful. Yeah. How many people don't have the opportunity just simply because of where they were born what they look like the lack of opportunity that's been given to them so yeah, yeah. don't make us all cry oh my god no i'm sorry like like uh, yeah i'm sorry like yeah yeah i i i have a hard time like uh regulating my emotions because i get so frustrated and mm. uh and 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 just saddened by um the state of things and um but that's right. what but I need. will not lose hope and I will you're, keep going. You're like, passionate yeah. about this and yes. mm -hmm. I mean through the work that you're doing you're you're changing lives. Exactly. You really are. And something that like motivates me cuz sometimes it's really hard and cuz I'm in engineering education, right? And so like I get to look at the inequities in all of the disciplines and <laughs> um like what motivates me is like if I can just reach one student, just one, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm changing the world. 
right? And so, like, you knowing, you have the data to back it up. You've reached hundreds, yeah. if not thousands. Yeah, I was I was actually looking at, you know, so CRAW was um, established in 1991, and I was pulling together some numbers. And uh, over the years, um, I think it's been like 25,000 wow. uh, students that have participated in various programs and like, uh, I don't know, another 3,000 mentors and speakers and um you know, so it's it's definitely you know I think had an impact over the years, uh, and, but it's not, again it's not about the numbers; it's about the experiences and the impact. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and your impact is felt in perpetuity because mm-hmm. think about like I go to I didn't know about CRA until I was I had aged out <laughs> of most <laughs> of the things except the faculty stuff, but um, even going to like the women's cohort and getting mentorship there and that helping me to persist in my program. You know, I have a PhD student who goes to CRAW, and you know she may have a PhD student, and so you get to impact people who will in perpetuity impact others so you know that part is the part that I'm just like wow we're you're just literally multiplying your efforts like every time I see a conference I'm like everybody in this room is going to impact people like down the line forever so mm-hmm. I just sort of try to look at that as like a source of motivation as well I'm trying to think hold on I'm like really emotional right now okay Whew. Kyler, do you remember that email that we got after I went yes. to grad cohort? I'm going to find yes. it. This is this will probably Please make do. you cry again, Eric. <laughs> um, all right. Where's cry. my cleanup? Oh, so, all right. So basically, this is someone who we hope to interview this season. And um, I met her at grad cohort this year. So virtual, virtually. Yeah. So how's Um, that for impact? (laughs) Yeah. So I was, we were invited by um, Alejandra and Daniela. They had this idea that we should be a sponsor for grad cohort. And so we got a little booth and set up our virtual space and had like virtual, uh, I I guess like recruitment hours. (laughs) They, they could choose which sponsor they visited. So we had a few people come to our session. And one of them, she's a graduate student. And she was just there to say thank you to us. And I was like, what? That's so strange, right? Like, apparently, she'd been listening to the podcast. She learned about a resource that we use through IMCS. She became involved. And had to make a decision. I guess she was trying to decide like, am I, am I good enough to go to graduate school to get a PhD? Um, she got a mentor. She felt like they were incredibly supportive and insightful. They were from industry, the, the mentor, and they didn't get a fellowship to go to graduate school, but applied anyways. And, um, got the opportunity to work at a university in the state of Florida. So she's actually pretty close to us. And I would not have known about this story and her experience if we weren't there and invited to participate. She, like this, I can show you like how long long it is. Like it's a long (laughs) email. 
Yes, um, Jeremy's giving you the She like reel. poured her heart out in the session while other students were there. And the other students were just like, oh my goodness, like this is so wonderful. I'm going to listen. I'm going to tell other people. And you created that space, right? Like your organization makes stuff like this possible for organizations like ours to understand our impact, right? Like that's the kind of thing. And so like, we're going to interview her. We're going to share her story, but none of that would be possible without the space that you create that allows students to feel like they belong. So thank you. Yeah. And your continued support. We can reach more people like her as well. Yeah. Thank you for all that you're doing because it's it's really impactful just anecdotally with this one student's story. So, yes. Yeah, we all cry. Stories okay. like that. It's <laughs> yes. stories like that. Yeah, it, it's it's nice to hear we're making a difference, and you know, it's it definitely is a, a community effort. Um, you know, so we we can't you know just simply take credit for um, for that. But but yeah, it's those are powerful, right? Those moments are powerful, uh, and and uh, yeah, I have. You know, sometimes it's hard. You know, you go through, you work, and you, you have these hard days, right? And mm-hmm. then you find those emails, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, that's why. That's that's why we do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that. It's so beautiful. Okay, so okay, we have one final question to lighten the mood. This is so, a Kyla question, by the way. <laughs> yes, this is definitely a Kyla question. I was saying we to present a united. Mm-hmm. Nope, family. it's okay. <laughs> they need to know because no. <laughs> This is not something that, this is a Kyla question. (laughs) That's a good question. So our friend Oprah, you know, she listens to the podcast in her head. She listens. She's a friend of the podcast. So when Oprah and Mackenzie Scott, who is uh, Jeff Bezos' former wife, when they listen to this podcast and they have their billions of dollars of discretionary funding, (laughs) what would you do with that money to take CRAWP to the next level if they were like, hey, we, we believe in this, we love this, what would their billions be used to do? That is an amazing question, and I have a very specific answer. And I would, I would launch the largest undergrad cohort um, to mm. bring in students, um, not just at, at four-year and R1 institutions, but also community colleges uh, and uh, tribal colleges. And like, I would really. Uh, just just run an amazing experience um a program for at the undergraduate level to encourage folks because a lot of times it's it's about um access to information and Mm -hmm. and understanding what the opportunities are right and and uh seeing role models meeting role models uh and uh, and your role models don't always have to be you know like uh, vertically right it's horizontally as well um, so like, um, you know, from your peers, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, w- I would, I would <laughs> organize that. That's been on like one thing that I would love to do, um, is start an undergrad cohort and just, yeah, if we had the funding, that's where, where I would like to see it go. Would the meeting be in Hawaii? <laughs> uh, no, yes. there, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> And, and what you know, we did. Yes, we we held one of the the workshops in Hawaii, and it was beautiful. Um, and, and you know what? It we actually we actually um, 
uh, I'll piloted a new thing during that one where we um, uh, tried to do like more near peer mentoring uh, during that one. And we actually invited a couple of Drew students uh, to yeah, attend yeah, one of my and present a poster. Yeah. And they, and they presented a poster in Hawaii, like, and, and, you know, got to network with the, uh, the near peers. So they're, they're, um, other, uh, true students, but also, um, the grad students that are there in attendance and, and, and then all the speakers and mentors and everyone else that's there in attendance. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You have I don't know about Hawaii. Hawaii is pretty cool. Mm -hmm, I'd love to go back to Hawaii. Um, yeah. I'm, we missed I'm that one so because jealous. we found out about it. Um, Wasn't it like, like a week or something yeah, before? It was, it was, so, yeah, it was. And it well. was my birthday. And I was just yeah. like, I could be in Hawaii. <sighs> yeah. I'll always only slightly regret it. I have to live. I had to live vicariously through my um, true student who was in my lab the previous summer. And he was like, I'm going. I'm like, you're not a grad student. He's like, they opened it for undergrads too. I'm like, <gasps> what <laughs> yeah yeah we got to go yeah. to chicago chicago was cool oh, yeah, too that's right that was mm -hmm. chicago was great that was the same but year Fortune. it was just later in the year it's yeah, not hawaii but it is nice i love yeah. chicago it'll do <laughs> <laughs> fortune what would you do with uh with all of this discretionary funds from oprah and mackenzie scott when they team up and do this for us well um uh, <laughs> i think for just as a um, researcher and evaluator, I'd collect better data and try to reach more people. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess involve more people as well. So one of the things mm -hmm. that we wish we could do is have more support from different staff and all of those things so that yeah. we could do a better job and um, even if they're not staff, more consultants and hear more people's opinions about the, the work we do. So uh, maybe have a, a side workshop in one of the workshops to kind of have uh, that input from the participants, the mentors. Because I, I also want to mention that the, the people that CRWP works with, the mentors, they're just amazing. These people just mm -hmm. aren't, you know, just sitting around in their lives. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. are doing amazing things, changing the world, doing their job, and then suddenly show up in this workshop for two days, just drop everything else, and talk <laughs> to the students. I, every time I see mm -hmm. there's the mentoring, one-on-one -on -one mentoring room, and sometimes we'll just wait at the door to or, you know, direct people to a different tables. And every time I just look inside and I'm looking at these people that I'm always amazed by. And they're just sitting there talking and sharing experiences. Yeah. It's just amazing. I think that's just, it, it, wouldn't it be great if we could hear more from them too? <laughs> oh, yeah. World-renowned yeah. researchers giving one-on-one -on -one support to undergraduate students or graduate students. Incredible. It's incredible. Too. You got full professors advising, you know, assistant and associates. Like, it's all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What would you do, Kyla? Yeah. 
I actually, my dream is to win the lottery and actually do something very similar to what Eric was talking about. Mm. Like, I really want to have a scholarship program that really takes students from, you know, basically a bridge program in high school all the way to the PhD, just because that's what I went through. And I feel like that's the only way because I would not be in this position if it wasn't. And like you said, it's all about access to information. It wasn't that I wasn't smart. I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the options and just having crucial people in my life who said, okay, go to this thing, talk to this person, apply for this thing. You know, it's, it was just crit. Like I wouldn't be where I am today. So I want to have like a cohort of computer scientists at one university who go through this program and they're fully funded. And, you know, we were in a bubble. We were just like, just baby, the staff, it's like a family, but you know, all of us are doing amazing things. Cause we're like 18 when we come out, we're still teenagers. We don't know anything. So <laughs> I really feel like having that, um, really critical information to set your trajectory early is mm -hmm. so important because it's kind of hard when the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's your senior year and now you're like I need to go back and do research to get into grad school and it's kind of you know too late or I don't have any internships or things like that so yeah definitely something very similar I love what it. about you Jer Bear I knew you were you gonna do? ask me <laughs> I have I have too many things in my head to be completely honest if we're if we're gonna be in the STEM ed space, I think that there needs to be a better ecosystem of like informal STEM education activities mm -hmm. and everything's so disparate right now. Like you either have to know somebody or, you know, someone just happens to pop up serendipitously at your, at your school. <laughs> and I think there needs to be a better job at like, making that more cohesive and accessible and so i don't know that i would create anything new mm -hmm. but figuring out a way to like get all of these resources together in one space so that people could access it better i think hmm. that's that's a huge barrier for us yeah Good point. Mm -hmm. The wheels are turning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Someone can take that and do as they please. Because yes. um, I, I would love to see it. I clearly don't have the time to be doing that. Aside from that, I really love science communication. Yeah. And, you know, seeing the world kind of shift and, you know, now we have this whole like black and X initiative going on. So they have black and AI and black and engineering and black and STEM education and um, you know, black and chemistry, like seeing that evolve out of COVID has been really cool. Like we need a diverse STEM science communication space that's accessible also. Yeah. And I would love to be a part of something like that. Yeah, and it definitely would enhance sense of belonging because people are like, oh, I understand those words. I can do this. Yeah, and you see <laughs> yourself, right? right? Like, you see yourself yes. represented because that is what inspired me, right? Like, seeing somebody have a job, like, as a PhD and a, a black woman. Like, where do you find that at? Apparently at the University of Florida. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there, It's just, it's not normal to have exposure to those things. So like, that's what yeah. I think needs to be fixed in the space. 
All right. So when Oprah, when you finish listening, mm-hmm. just text me and we can talk about it later. <laughs> I'll take the call from Mackenzie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. This has been amazing. Like we had our set of questions, but this went definitely in a in an awesome direction. So we can't wait to see you at conferences mm-hmm. once things open back up. Absolutely. Because, you know, we're used to seeing you all, like, during the conference, you know, showcase where we're all at the same conferences, the same three or three to five conferences all the time. But for people who aren't familiar with you, where can they find you on the Internet, social media, et cetera? Yeah, so on the internet, the easiest way to find us is just uh, CRA.org, and then you'll see all the various committees and everything. You can find the individual pages there. Um, uh, And then, uh, you know, I should know what our Twitter handle is. Um, (laughs) And, like, I I have it, and I can, yeah. Okay, all right, let me, at CRA underscore WP. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) yeah nice nice so they have a whole host of programs like there's literally i feel like something going on every month with you all so take a look at the website make sure that anything that you are eligible for that you apply to Mm -hmm. and even if you're not eligible pass it to someone who can benefit from it i feel like the earlier you get involved the better like once you go to one event you're not going to stop yeah and the other thing is you have a podcast right oh yeah the, uh, the Catalyzing Computing co- uh, Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So the CCC, the Computing Community Consortium. So uh, Kyrie Douglas uh, runs that that podcast. Yes. But uh, yeah, check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are places to get inspiration, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bertrand, is there anything else that like any way that you would have people learn more about you or just follow Eric's link? <laughs> <laughs> follow Eric's Serp. link. Yes, that's that's OK. Yeah. Alrighty. The the other thing I'll mention is uh, so about upcoming programs. Uh, so we we do have the 2022 grad cohort workshops uh, that we are currently planning. So the uh, grad cohort for ideals, which is the uh, uh, inclusion, diversity, equity, accessibility, and leadership skills, um, that will be March uh, in March of 22. I don't have the exact dates off my the top of my head. Uh, and the uh, grad cohort for women will be in April of 2022. Uh, and those we're planning for in-person uh, meetings. But the applications should be uh, open around October of this year. So okay. keep an eye out. That's awesome. Yes. Did we mention there's no cost to go to these? They generally pay for you to get there, pay for your accommodations. And they don't pick bad places. And that's <laughs> it. That's all because of the generosity of our sponsors. But yes, we, we uh, try and provide all the, the travel support for the students to attend. So, yeah. Yeah, the answer was no. We did not mention it. <laughs> <laughs> but we have now. <laughs> yes, and we have now. Alrighty. Well, have a great rest of your day, those of you who are listening. Yes. Or evening, because you could be listening to this at any time of the day, technically. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. As always, you can find us on our website, modernfigurespodcast.com. 
Send your questions to askus at modernfigurespodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla, and I am at Jeremy Waysom. Visit modernfiguresinc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until next time, stay moisturized, hydrated, mind your business, and protect your peace.